and we are live with this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, week three of college football has gone and passed, and a couple of wild finishes that we had this week in college football. A notable team struggling on the road, quarterback issues for them as well. Uh, a couple of teams almost losing on the road and almost ending their national championship aspirations. And for one team in the the SEC, a huge game-winning field goal as time expires. Overall, another interesting week. And week four is coming up. And, this, and week four could potentially be the best week we've had already this college football season. So we're in for a good treat this week. I mean, for a bunch of games that we thought on paper were going to be no good this week, it's still went above and beyond to surprise us. That's the great thing about college football. Even if the games aren't exciting on paper, that's why you play the game. And we could go get into it all in a little bit, but Nick kind of alluded there's a lot of teams that I would say suffered some pretty uh, some pretty big upsets or were almost upset. Right. But uh, would you like to get into it, Nick? Yeah, and one of them was the team that a lot of people are talking about right now. That's obviously Colorado. I mean, obviously all the national attention is towards them. College game day was there this week to, you know, talk about all this stuff. You had the rumors, you know, you had, I shouldn't say rumors, but you had all the hype going into this game, the uh, issues with both of these teams, again, with Colorado and Colorado State. Obviously, they already have a history as it pertains to their rivalry. Then you add to the feud of the fire with the comments made by Colorado State's head coach towards Deion Sanders. And it led to this game being, as Deion said, it became personal going into this one. And it was a very, very personal game. The first quarter, Andrew, took about an hour to get over with just because of the amount of personal fouls and penalties that we had in that first quarter. And that game, I believe, did not end until like 2.30 at night. It did not, no. It went into double overtime. Colorado did hang on in this game by final 43 to 35. So give credit where it's due to the Colorado State Rams. They fought very well in this game, gave Colorado a run for their money. But at the end of the day, Colorado was just too much for them. They got a late touchdown in the fourth quarter to send the game into overtime, also getting a two-point conversion to make sure that they would go into overtime. And their defense got a big time interception in that double overtime period to end the game and hold on for an eight-point win over the Rams. Um, a lot to take in from this game. I mean, obviously, Shador Sanders, I will say early on, did struggle against that Colorado State defense, did find a groove in the second half, threw for another 400, three, excuse me, 348 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. Um, a huge story, though, for them is now that Travis Hunter gets injured in this game, and there's a lot of controversy out that. It was a very blatant late hit that he got um, when he was trying to make a reception, and didn't have a chance to catch the ball, but got tackled anyway by the Colorado State. I believe it was their safety uh, name, you know, slips from my mind right now. But nonetheless, Travis Hunter gets injured. He's going to be out the next three weeks. And that's big, Andrew, for their next three games, because you look at their schedule. They got Oregon coming up. USC is coming up. Just to name two of the three. They have to figure out a way to pull up what a lot of people would say would be a big time upset when now without one of their best players. Yeah, and uh, if you remember last week, we had a certain host who shall not be named, but I was complaining that this was mm. college game day. So it was a waste of time. It was going to be a blowout. And, you know, why not just do it save for USC and Oregon? Well, would you want to see this Colorado team without Travis Hunter college game day next week for Oregon? I wouldn't. Right, I mean... I wouldn't without Travis Hunter. That game is complete. I don't think that's going to be fair. It, it's It's so... I will say this. It's... The only thing I hated about this game was that the time slot it was in. It was a ten. Right. It was originally supposed to start at ten o'clock, but the problem was the Tennessee and Florida game was still prolonging at the late end, so it had to be moved. You know, the kickoff had to be moved to ten twenty, and by the time it kicks off, and then you have an hour long first quarter, that's why the game doesn't end till two thirty at night in double overtime. I, I love the game was good. But there were points in time where I was falling asleep in overtime because I was just exhausted from the day. So it was a great game either way. Um, both teams showed out despite what a lot of people thought was going to happen going into the game. You know, the, obviously the point spread was big in Colorado's favor. No one gave Colorado State a chance. They put up a great battle. And in retrospect, they probably should have won this game. They played a lot better than Colorado did. But at the end of the day, the talent-wise on Colorado was just too much for the Rams. 
They now drop to 0-2. Colorado stays undefeated. And now, like we mentioned, a huge game coming up with Oregon this week. But like we also said, no Travis Hunter. That could loom very largely not only on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, no Travis Hunter. He has, I believe, a lacerated liver. He'll be I out for so. a. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. He went online on a vlog. I believe it was on YouTube, calling out Colorado State, saying it was a dirty play and they are dirty right. players. Deion it Sanders. Uh, all he could say was, um, you know, it was a questionable hit, but every team does it. He's not lying about that, but he kind of took the uh, the PC way out of it. Kind of not wanted to rip on the student athletes. I do respect him for taking the higher road, especially after. Uh, he was just trashed all week by Jay Norvell. Right. But, yeah, it was an interesting game. And, unfortunately, without Travis Hunter, this Colorado team is going to look completely different. And they have the they have the uh, hardest part of their schedule coming up. So this right. is a real do-or-die time for them. If they could even maybe, by some miracle, beat Oregon and lose the, uh, lose the USC, and they run the table throughout, that, uh, throughout the rest of the uh, – the season and they win the Pac-12. They still have a way to the playoffs, so their playoff hopes aren't dead, but they're just they're dwindling with that uh, with that injury. Yeah, losing a guy like that that has an impact on both sides of the ball really does hurt a team in a lot of ways. So they're gonna have to try to figure out who's the next man up in terms of both sides of the ball and trying to make sure that they can get the win in Eugene this week against Oregon. We will preview that game later on in the show, but we talked about some of the wild finishes that we had here in week number three and. This was probably the wildest one that we had between Kansas State going on the road in, into a, a former Big 12 conference me, uh, opponent in Missouri. Missouri obviously now part of the SEC. But this game, you got to admit, didn't doesn't you know people would not have thought this would, game would live up to the hype. Kansas State going into it was a uh, five-point favorite. Missouri, though, played a great game. And at the end, they kick a 61-yard field goal. That is, I believe, the record. I, I want to say that is the SEC record. It's not the NCAA record, but it is the SEC conference record for the longest field goal hit in a game. And to do it with time expiring, that's a great job by Harrison uh, Mevis. Unbelievable kick, sending Missouri to a huge win over the Wildcats, 30-27 to in the final. Uh, for, and for a Missouri team that, let's face facts, Hasn't had a lot of success in the SEC. They did go to an SEC championship game a while back, but really has not found that same success that they had in the Big 12. They faced a former Big 12 opponent in Kansas State, and they got a huge win to go down to 3-0 in the season. Tough break for the Wildcats. They now dropped to 2-1. But this is another good game that we had this week that ended in a thrilling finish. And you don't really necessarily see 61-yard field goals ever kicked in college football. Let alone you don't, see him, even in, you don't see him in the you don't see him in the NFL. Let alone barely, college. yeah, it's barely in the NFL. When you get a sixty-one yard field goal, it's like it's almost like God Himself kicked that field goal. Right. Hey, listen, God was on Missouri's side this week, that's for sure. Yeah, that kid is definitely the hero of the Missouri, and I'm gonna dare to say the hero of the SEC because we're gonna allude to this a little bit. But there are four teams in the SEC in the top tw- twenty-five that all have one loss right now. Right. This is probably the weakest the SEC has ever been in probably the last 10 to 15 years. But Missouri getting a win like this, the bottom tier of that SEC, because that's what they're in. They're in that bottom to mid-tier SEC team. Getting a win over a one of the premier Big 12 teams like that really helps the conference. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about it. If the SEC continues to play the way that they're currently playing, then who knows? I, you're, I think you're right in the, in the sense of anything could happen and anyone maybe could win. Um, we will allude to it in a second and talk about the next team, but they struggled in the first half in their game. We know how, what Alabama has done so far in the season. They've had their struggles. Tennessee obviously did not have a good week this past week. So you're right. Some of these top teams that we expected going into the season have not lived up to those expectations so far. And that's even, even if a team like Georgia, despite them being still undefeated, they still have now looked great throughout no their one first three games. So and I think, you know what, personally, for me, that just makes college football even even better because the unpredictability of who might come out as the national champion this year is perfect. You kind of knew going to last season that Georgia was the favorite and it's anyone against them. Now this year, who knows? We mm-hmm. could have any any team could realistically make a case for winning the national championship. Yeah, the SEC is not the power conference this year. My 
maybe by week eight or nine, that's going to age like milk. But as of the first yeah, couple of weeks, <laughs> oh, yeah, because I still have two SEC teams in the playoffs. So I still have faith in them as long as they can right. take care of business, because uh, as we get allude to, all these teams are struggling. But I want to head into the next game and we'll talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, number one team in the country, struggling versus South Carolina and Spencer Rattler. I don't know if you want to give an analysis on that, Nick. Yeah, um, I watched the first half of this game, most of the second half as well. Uh, I got a little snippet of the first half, and I will say this. Georgia started off really slow. Um, you got to give South Carolina credit. They, the, the, when, we, when we looked at this game on the show and we saw the point spread, we said there is absolutely no way a team like South it was Carolina disrespectful. Exactly, could be getting this you know, disliked. A 27 and, 27 and, a, half and a half points. I understand Georgia is reigning two-time champions, and they're going for a three-pick this year. But they're not the same Georgia team we've seen in the last couple seasons. And one part of that is the change of quarterback. I'll say this for Carson Beck. He had his ups in this game. He also had his downs. Didn't throw an interception, which is good. Didn't also throw a touchdown. So his he really didn't factor that much totally into the game. Um, Georgia's rushing attack was the reason why they won this game. But their defense in the second half is also the reason why. They went into the half trailing 14-3. And that was also after Georgia missed a couple of field goals in that first half. So there was a lot of danger. They went into the halftime trailing by 11 points. But like I mentioned, their rushing game really got them back into it. They outscored South Carolina in the second half by a score of 21 to nothing, able to hold on and win this game 24 to 14. They go to 3-0 on the year. Um, but like we said, it's a weird time right now because Georgia hasn't looked dominant in these first couple games. And... I'm wondering if that's going to be a common, you know, trend as the season goes on. They have some tough road games on the season. Obviously, they'll have to play maybe Alabama or whatever, whoever it may be in the SEC West for the SEC Championship if they get to that point. But they need to get something out of Carson Beck. He needs to take that next step in order for them to be national championship contenders. Otherwise, any team could realistically make a case and the SEC to beating them on any given basis. As I, as they like to say, any given Saturday, that could be a possibility for Georgia the rest of the way if they don't start getting some better you know, uh, quarterback play out of their quarterback, Carson Beck. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I want to go into the next game because I want to talk about this game myself. I don't know if you want me to lead off this, but I'm going to lead yeah, off. Yeah, go for it. If Alabama, the Crimson Tide, I said it last week, Nick Saban needed to get things on track, and boy, he is still struggling mightily. Uh, Alabama had 107 passing yards Yep. in this game against not an SEC team, not a Big 12 team, not a Big 10 team. They didn't play Michigan, Ohio State, no LSU, no, Georgia, no Power 5, but the University of South Florida. Shout out to Now, I do realize that USF wasn't a power conference many years ago. About 15 years ago, they were they, they were Big East football when it was still a thing in its heyday. But USF is not a power five school. No disrespect to them. And they, I want to say, had Alabama's number for the first 40 minutes first of half. this game. Yeah. I would say even the first 40 minutes of this game because they didn't score until late in the third quarter. Right. Now, for a school that's produced recent quarterbacks over the year, I'm going to count Jalen Hurts because he spent three years at Alabama and he, he won did. a national championship. Yep. I'm going to count Jalen Hurts. I'm going to count Tua. I'm going to count Mac Jones. You have multiple quarterbacks that have won Heismans. They've won national championships. They've been drafted in the first and second Bryce round of Young the NFL. Too. Bryce Young, he just got drafted this year. I forgot, almost forgot the same number one pick in the draft. So you have... Jeez. So. <laughs> uh, Anyways, I digress. You have multiple quarterbacks over the last five or six years. So Alabama has been a quarterback factory. We don't know how they're going to be in the NFL, but it looks like Tua's pretty good right now. Jalen Hurts is pretty good. Mac Jones has had a really big improvement this season. And Bryce Young, it's he's had two starts. Solid two games, yeah. So it looks like two of those guys are solid starters. Mac Jones is looking like a solid starter. And Bryce Young is a question mark. So you have all these quarterbacks, and you muster up 107 yards on the offense. So the question I have for Alabama now, is it the coaching, or has it always been the players the last couple of years? Well, uh, Because that is, that is a tough pill to swallow. I will say, 
I remember the years where Alabama struggled in quarterback play. That's when they had guys like Blake Sims and Jake Coker as their quarterbacks. And they did win a national championship with Jake Coker at quarterback. But being that as it may, when Bama doesn't have good quarterback play, they tend to struggle in the SEC, and it doesn't really turn out to be in their favor, and they don't really do anything. As, oh, crazy, as this is this is the AAC. Team. These dudes, right. University of South Florida, no disrespect, are underdog favorites at home. They're underdogs at home, and guess who's visiting them? Rice. So yeah. the team that almost beat Alabama this week is now an underdog at home versus Rice. Well, let's talk about how... Massive red flag for Alabama. Well, let's talk about what happened in this game. They went into the game with Tyler Buchner being the starting quarterback, the former Notre Dame quarterback. They started him after Jalen Moreau had a really bad game against Texas. Uh, I I shouldn't say really bad, but he had a really, you know, Jekyll and Hyde type of game. game. Exactly. He had a roller coaster type of game against Texas. They bench him this week against South Florida. They bring in Buchner. And Buechner really stunk up the joint in the first half. He was 5 of 14 for 34 yards. They actually brought in true freshman Ty Simpson to play the rest of the game. He looked all right. Nothing too spectacular. Bama wins this game due to the fact that their defense was amazing. Uh, They had a really good rushing attack. They had 203 rushing yards as a team. But now, because of how bad the quarterback play was this week, they're going back to Jalen Moreau this week against Ole Miss. And that's a huge game because – Bama loses this game, they're not going to be in the national championship pitcher whatsoever. It wouldn't matter if they run the table the rest of the year and even win the SEC No, this would have killed opinion. them. I think a loss would really kill Unless them. USF would have ran their table and just absolutely steamrolled everyone from this point because on. Because think about yeah, it. Bama right. was number 10 in the country going into this game, and they won by two touchdowns, but they dropped three spots in the polls. So now you're 13th in the country, and a loss puts you into the 20s, in my opinion. Maybe I'm 100%. wrong. Maybe it puts them. I think, maybe to be honest, I think it puts them. Teens. I think it puts them 25. No, I would put Alabama if they lost to University of South Florida. I'd put them at 25. Oh no, no, I'll talk about the old. I'll talk about if they lose to Ole Miss this week. Oh. Oh yeah, if they lost to Ole. If they lost to South Florida, they, they I they would definitely be low 20s. That's for sure. Yeah, I, if they lose to Ole Miss, I'll put them at 21. 22. Yeah, I think if I think if they lose to Ole Miss, they might be late teens, early 20s. If I had to think. Um, but it kills them any chance of winning a national championship this year because there's so many teams in front of you, and you're going to be a two-loss team. The committee doesn't want to realistically, yes, could put you in because of the names, you know, the name and the brand. But how would you justify a two-loss team getting into the into the playoff, even if they win their conference championship? They haven't done that historically throughout this playoff. Yes, when they move to 12 teams, that's more of a possibility to happen. But with four still being the you know the current normal thing, there's absolutely no way. So Bama has to win this game. They can't really afford another loss as the season goes on. So yeah, no, this, this is it for Alabama. Uh, do or die. You need to really take off and figure out the quarterback situation. Uh, I think this will kind of inspire. I hope it inspires confidence in Jalen Millerell, knowing that he is clearly the top dog. In this quarterback room, he shouldn't have any competition at this point out. They gave his guys a chance against USF, and they couldn't step up to the plate. Maybe if he played this game, he could have threw for 400 t- yards and two touchdowns, for all I know. And he could all have right. ran a couple in. You never so know. You never know that they went with the, their guys, and this is the safe option, I think, for Nick Saban to exercise his options. Because if these guys can't perform against USF, they're not doing the SEC. doesn't right. matter if it's, it's, if it's Mizzou, Ole Miss, the Aggies, Auburn, doesn't matter. Can't do against USF. You ain't doing the SEC. So ride the pine for another year. Well, they weren't the only team that struggled this week and almost got upset on the road. How about number, uh, well, at the time, number four, Florida State? Man, did they look, in my opinion, they did not look good in this game against Boston College. They really struggled stopping the Boston College passing attack, which is crazy to think. And the, the rushing attack, too. Boston College ran for 152 yards in this game. Florida State hangs on and wins this one 31-29. But, man, if not for a, a missed two-point conversion from the Eagles, this game could have went into overtime, and who even knows what happens at the end of the day. Florida State, though, they've it's kind of weird for me because you saw what they did in week one against LSU, dominated that game in the second half, and then they have a game like this against Boston College where they barely escape, and now – they go to Clemson this week on the road, and I don't know. I, I know Clemson hasn't looked good either, 
But this could be a really dangerous game for the Seminoles. They really need to look like the team that this we saw with number one. Exactly. This was a trap game they played this week, and they almost they almost fell for the trap. Now they have another game coming up against Clemson, who at the beginning of the season we penciled this in as a big game to watch. Obviously, it hasn't been a good start of the season for Clemson, but a win for Clemson in this game against the Seminoles could get them back on track in the ACC. So it's a huge game for both these teams. Florida State needs to look like that team in week number one. Clemson needs to look like the team that a lot of people were expecting to maybe look like at the beginning of the season. Um, is there really any you know thing that you saw from this Florida State team on Saturday that could worry you as the season goes on? Because I know you have them as your ACC champion. Yeah, they have. I have them as my ACC champion, um, but I actually have them getting upset. Well, I'll go later on, by in a certain game, but yeah, like I think this is a wake up game for them. You rather have this game now than late in the season, so you can kind of iron mm. out whatever you see because they're going to be looking at film. They're going to be looking at what went wrong, especially in that fourth quarter. Man, it seems like they just wanted to give the game to Boston College. I was almost positive Florida State was going to blow it, and for right. a team that within. No offense, within ten years is going to be in the is going to be in the Northeastern Conference when the ACC eventually implodes. <laughs> like, let's be real; like they haven't really done anything in thirty years, um, right? Whether in basketball or football, and when the new contracts come, they're going to get left out. They're going to be the Oregon State, Washington State of the ACC. Um, but let's talk about that game a little bit, where Boston College pretty much pretty much scored twenty one straight points. Well, think about this also. I don't mean to cut you off. But look at Boston College at the week before. They almost lost to Holy Cross. Yeah, I mean, listen, this That's is not why it's good. so weird. This is not a good team. They lost to Northern Illinois. They barely beat Holy Cross, but they almost beat Florida State. So, right. listen, I, I I get it. Like, a lot of these teams, the offense is new. There's a lot of transfers now. The portal's real. It's pretty much a glorified NFL offseason every single year. But you have to, you have to get your OTAs in order. This is insane. The almost to have this variance in a football program on both sides. Yeah, I, I will say this. We've seen a couple of teams that always have gone upset, and it hasn't happened yet, but I always think of the uh, the 2007 college football season where every week was there was like a big-time upset, and it led to like the wildest finish of the season, in which like, I think LSU was a two-loss team, and they went to the national championship game and won. I feel like we are like not too far away from that happening again this year. Because you've seen a lot of these teams early on in the season have almost gotten upset, but they've been able to hold on at the end of the day. But if one thing went wrong, you could I could make the case that that could be the exact same. We could be having the exact same season this year. But like I said earlier, I like this type of football because it leads to a lot of unpredictability. And maybe we don't know who the national championship, gonna be, championship winner is going to be. You saw what happened to TCU last season. No I hate to say it. Texas looks like game. the best team right now. Hey, and listen, they kind of struggled too against Wyoming in the first half, at least. Yeah, they I mean, they struggled. In the first half. I mean, listen, they picked up in the second half. I don't, I'd rather have you struggle in the first half and then come out strong in the second because that means your coach is able to make adjustments. The players are able to respond under pressure. Not someone, not have a second half collapse because, listen, when you got 15 minutes in that locker room, you could go over film, you could look at, you could break down. Uh, you have a team's game plan. You can adjust what you have to do yourself. When it's happening in real time in the second half, that is when you panic. That is when you see like coaches like Kyle Shanahan blow a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. Or you see Andy you know, Reid blow a 30-point lead in the playoffs. That's an excellent question that I think I, was, I would like to ask you uh, before we get into our final game of the week. Out of all the teams that we've seen so far that are ranked at least, has there been – a team that you is Texas really that team for you that that has looked the best out of everyone. And if you would say to yourself, man, if I had to pick a team that might win the national championship this year, it's probably going to be them. Or is there another team like that? Do you think? I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, I I would say this might be biased because here's the thing. Michigan's offense is hard against these couple of teams. They played UNLV East Carolina bowling. Right. They played their defense. Has they they've done their job like uh, defensively, done their job. Uh, I think their test this upcoming week at Rutgers, which you're not going to. Uh, are they going to discuss? Are they, are they in Rutgers? I thought they were in Michigan. No? I'm sorry, they're at Michigan. My bad. Yeah. They're hosting Rutgers. That's a tough um, game for Rutgers. 
gonna be a really tough game. I hope they go four and zero. No offense to Michigan, but a uh, big fan of Rutgers. But yeah, all these teams like listen, Oklahoma, eh, Miami, nope. Ole Miss, Alabama, nope. Colorado, maybe Oregon, but they've only played cupcakes really. It looked really bad against Texas Tech too. So. Yeah, like you, you don't really know, but it, at least Big Twelve. At least it's a Big Twelve school. That's 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 the one out. You uh, look at all Duke these teams. Whatever, UCLA, in Utah, their Tennessee, LSU, Florida. You know what? I also like Oregon State. You know I like what? Oregon State, and I like Texas. Those are who yeah. I like right now because at least you know what? I know they played a Mountain West school, but you know what? It's a damn good Mountain West school in San Diego State. You know who I've liked right now? I, I, Texas is another one for me too, but I think it's still – obviously it's still way early in the season. We're only three weeks into the season. Um, Washington has looked pretty good too. I know – I haven't watched enough games, Washington football. They I, looked honest, really dominant. Yeah, they looked really dominant against Michigan State this past week. I know Michigan we saw State's that going coming. a lot. But we, exactly. We knew it coming. But Michael Penix right now has looked like an absolute beast throughout their first three games. And they really could make a, a big-time run in the in the Pac-12 right now. They have some tough games at the end of the season. I look at their schedule right now. Their last four games are against all-ranked teams right now in the top 25 and also still have to play Oregon. But if Penix keeps playing this way right now, I could make the case that the Huskies could be in the college football playoff this season. He's playing that good a type of football. Um, but like you said with Texas, they have the big win at Alabama. If they are able to run through the rest of their schedule, um, they should. They probably will be in that conversation. I'm, I'm going to say it, Nick. Yeah, I think ahead. the Pac-12 has the best conference right now, and I can't believe I'm saying that. They have a lot of. They have the most ranked teams right now. Yep, I think. I think top to bottom, they're better than the SEC right now. It's crazy for me to say that, but it's week three, and here we are, or it's the end well, of week three. Well, look at the ranked teams that we have. You have USC, you have Washington, you have Oregon, Utah, Oregon State, Colorado, Washington State, UCLA. That's eight teams in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I think top to bottom, they have the best conference. You know, they're going to go out swinging this year because they're still they the bang. <laughs> like, the, like the Big East, like how the Big East went out for bang in 2013 with Louisville. I right. think they're going to go out for bang. The, the Pac-12 may be the college football champions. Maybe, who knows? We have still a long way to go in the season. But before we go into the week four preview, let's go into the final game of the week. And that was the game I alluded to earlier that kind of prolonged the Colorado game. That was number 11 Tennessee going into the swamp to take on the Florida Gators. Um, we looked at this game, and I got to admit, I said Tennessee looked really sluggish to start the season, but I figured they would go into on the road and would be able to take care of business against a Florida team that's also not looked good to start this season. Um, I'm pretty sure I went with the under in this game. I don't think I took a team to actually win it because of how bad they were both playing. And Tennessee, man, I, I don't know. Joe Milton was the guy that was supposed to be the replacement for Hendon Hooker. He's had his up and down so far on the season. Um, the offense did not look good in this game against Florida. They had a lot of opportunities in the red zone to score. Did not take advantage of that. And their defense struggled mildly against the run. Trevor Etienne, the brother of Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he goes for 172 yards in this game and a rushing touchdown. Florida wins it 29-16. They get their second win of the season, drop Tennessee now also to 2-1. And... One. and it's a really big uh, momentum killer for the volunteers now. They go from the 11th ranked team in the country to now barely in the top 25 polls. So for them to have any hope, they have to run the table the rest of the season. But the way their offense has been playing, I'm not sure if that's going to even be possible. And it's Like I said, it's weird considering Milton. Like we said, the Swamp. Go- yeah, go ahead. It is, it, the Swamp takes uh, all teams' hopes and dreams, and it die, they die in the Swamp. No right. matter if Florida is a four-win team or a five-win team or a 10- or 11-win team, the Swamp is the mo- probably a top five most difficult uh, arena oh, uh, to play in football. It, the would, atmosphere is incredible there. 100%. And that's what happened to Tennessee, unfortunately. They got caught up in the Swamp. You know, they say the turf monster got them. The Swamp monster got them this time. Uh, we've seen the turf monster in the NFL takes take his victims. But. And you know what? If that second, if if Tennessee, if that second quarter doesn't happen, they win that game. Right. They just got caught. You know, for, it was probably a fifteen minute span where the defense was probably gassed because they couldn't, the offense couldn't stay on the field. Couldn't stop the run they, had a, they had a couple three and outs. And when you're right, when you can't stop the run, it opens up the passing game. 
which allowed uh, a couple of uh, a really, really accurate game by Florida QB. Graham Mertz, uh, yeah. But, yeah, but Florida, uh, again, it's just that the SEC is a battle. It's a war within itself. I know Florida has a game upcoming this week against the Charlotte, I think, 49ers of the AAC. Uh, Florida back in the AP top 25, which helps the SEC's credit. I think there, I think there's four or five teams in the SEC in the top 25, maybe six. We have Georgia, uh, Alabama, LSU, uh, Tennessee, and Florida. So five, so five teams. So it helps them a lot, uh, boost the conference a little bit, and and this is going to sound really bad, but going forward, if if Florida can, can win a couple of games, they can go up to 20, you know, 19, 18. They lose to an SEC team that's on a hot streak. Both those teams will become ranked, and it's going to help the SEC's well, case a little bit more. Well, you look at Florida's next couple of games, and if they they sh- they should be able to get past the next three, even though they go to Kentucky, and usually sometimes they struggle against Kentucky. That's going to th- be a tough game. They haven't played um, anyone in Kentucky, but it's going to be a tough game. Right. Um, they go to South Carolina. We've seen South Carolina so far. They haven't really looked great, but Spencer Rattler, would you, as your quarterback, gives you an opportunity to win those games. And then you have that big game against Georgia in Jacksonville. And that's going to be the litmus test to see if this team is real or not for Florida. Obviously, I have my doubts after that bad performance against Utah. They were able to make it a lot better this week against Tennessee. But they have some big games down the stretch. The Georgia game I mentioned at South Carolina. They're also at LSU. Missouri got a big win this week, so Missouri could be a problem for them later on the season. And then their final game of the year is home against Florida State. So there is a lot of games for this team to try to get into the upper echelon of the SCC, but they've got to prove that they could be potentially a good team. Because remember what happened last year with this team. We saw the first couple weeks with Anthony Richardson leading the way, and you thought this, this could be a team that could be a threat to Georgia in the SCC, and then the rest of the season happened, and Florida just went downhill. So they will have to see if they can maybe get something going this year. I have my doubts, obviously, but I'll give them credit where it's due. They got a good win this week, so they'll take that as it may, and we'll see how they do this next couple weeks before the Georgia game. With that being said, it is time for the fourth installment of the Mushing Hour. Mushing Hour, we have week four picks and previews, the opposite of the Witching Hour, where usually wins become losses and losses become wins. Well, losses become wins because they mush, we mush them into oblivion. And we have a loaded, and I mean loaded slate for Very loaded. the upcoming weight. Uh, I'm going to start off with number four, Florida State, on the road going to Clemson. They're on the road to the Tigers. Despite that, two and a half point favorites, 55 and a half is the slated over under. Grayson's already going Florida State money line, so he thinks they could go on the road and take care of business. Um, I'm going to go out and say Clemson is going to, going to keep it close. I think we're going to see a late field goal winner for Florida State. But Clemson is going to cover because I think it's going to win like 38 to 28 or maybe 31, okay. 29, something right. in that range. So I've, I even think Clemson could win outright. I'm not ready to write off Dabo Sweeney yet. And I think he can have a uh, a surprise game, especially to a Florida State game that struggled so far. Right. So give me Clemson and the points. I've been struggling with this game. I'm not going to lie with you because... Both teams, you know, obviously Clemson had their big mishap in week one against Duke. Florida State almost had a huge mishap on Saturday against Boston College. Um, I really could make the case for both of them, obviously winning. Um, And I'm not confident in taking it over under. I think I'm going to, and this is going to be the basis of my pick. I'm going to take Florida State money line. And the sole reasoning for me is this. I, when you look at a game like this, you lean towards your best players. And Florida State has the best quarterback out of the two teams. So you need a big play out of your player, out of your team. You look to your quarterback. And Jordan Travis is better than Kate Klubnik of Clemson. So that's the only reason why I lean towards Florida State in this game. I did have Clemson winning the ACC championship. I know that definitely does not help my preseason pick. But... I, I just haven't liked what I've seen from both teams. I just think the quarterback play is going to be the big re- big reason why Florida State wins this one over the, over the Tigers. All right, all right, all right. That sounds good to me. Easy, McConaughey. 
Oh, easy, easy. Easy, right, easy. And we have the Ole Miss Rebels on the road going to Tuscaloosa, Bryant-Denny Stadium to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama Crimson Tide, one of eight teams in college football that has a color in their name. If you can guess the other seven, I'd be impressed. Uh, Alabama, seven-point favorites at home, 55-and-a-half, same as the Florida State game. Is this slated over-under? I, I got to think about that. What, uh, we're, that's gonna, I'm going to have to ask you after the show. I, I, I want to guess this after the show. One of eight teams. All sure right. question for the people at home. Yeah, think about it a little bit. We have Grayson's taking Ole Miss minus three. So they think Grayson's going to give 10 points pretty much to Ole Miss. Yeah. I think that's idiotic. But hey, what do I know? Um, hey, listen, you and Al- I both have positive records, so, so let's just point that out. Yeah, no, he's better in the NFL, but I am definitely better in college, and uh, that's that's fine. We could trade those. Yeah. Uh, we have Alabama. At home, they just had a almost embarrassing loss to an AAC school. Nick Saban has those guys running suicides in that Alabama heat probably all week right week, all week right now. He has them going up and down the stairs at that stadium. I don't even think he's letting them wear, wear their gear right now because he's embarrassed of them. That motivation is going to lead Alabama, and I'm going to take him to cover. Alabama plus seven. I'm going to say the final score is going to be 35 to 14. Was it a minus seven, Alabama? Oh, I'm sorry. Minus seven. My, my okay. apologies. Thank you for that. Uh, I think this is kind of be kind of be how I picked the first game too. I like Jackson Dart compared to Jalen Moreau. Obviously, Dart is the better quarterback of the two. Um, I'm not going to take Ole Miss straight money line. I'm going to take them to cover in this game. I think Bama will hold on and win this one, and they'll get back on track. But I I really have thought about maybe taking Ole Miss money line. I just don't know if I have enough faith. Remember, obviously, this is one of those games, Andrew, where we have a former Saban assistant facing his mentor. Lane Kiffin's going back into Brian Denny. Sometimes they win. Most of the time, they don't. So, for that reason, I will take Al- I will take Ole Miss plus seven. Bama will most likely win this game. All righty, then. Ole Miss plus seven. You got to take the points. I respect it. Yep. The next game, we have the Colorado Buffalo, Buffaloes, number 19, Colorado, on the road going into beautiful Oregon. The Ducks are going to pro- probably abuse their mascot again, make him do push-ups, <laughs> push-ups till his arms fall off. Grayson's taking Oregon money line, uh, which is very bold because they are 21-point favorites, and the over in this lead at 71 and a half. Uh, points. I mean, listen, that's probably like, Gersh is probably taking a minus 800 bet right now. Um, but anyways, I digress. I'm going to go ahead and take Colorado plus the points. It, they seem, even though they don't have Trav- Travis Hunter, they have that grit, which isn't a actual tangible skill. They, I think they have, they want to play for their coach harder, even though Oregon has been very high powered. It had a great offense. They haven't really faced real competition. Is that fair to say that the teams they haven't played haven't been great yet? So yeah. if they can allow other teams to score 30 on them, why not Colorado? So give me Colorado plus 21. All right. I'm with you on Colorado plus 21. But let me ask you, would you call me a psychopath in your For honest what? opinion? For no, what? just in general. Depends would you call me a psychopath? No, in general? I'm not, generally speaking, no. Oh, well, I'm going to be a psychopath to take the over in this game. I mean, I, I I believe it. I think the final scores would be like forty-seven to like you know thirty-six. So I think you get it to be honest. I think without Hunter, it's gonna really hurt Colorado's defense. But Oregon doesn't have much better defense as it is, and I know without Hunter on offense, Colorado might struggle in that department. But they still have some big-time playmakers on that offensive side, and I I, I think we're gonna see a shootout in this game. But no, yeah, my I, luck. I agree. It's with you. probably the opposite. Yeah, I agree with you. I would take the over too, but I only I try to only pick one pick a week and so, try to keep it like that. Yeah, I'm just gonna warn the uh, I'm gonna warn everyone here if they do take action on this game, just take the under. Don't listen to what I said. <laughs> okay, all right, and we ha- we're staying within the Pac-12. We have another Pac-12 matchup, <clears throat> number 22 UCLA, the Bruins of the University of California, Los Angeles, going to the Utah Utes, number 11 Utah at home. Utah, minus four favorites, 50 and a half is the over-under. Grayson is going to run with Utah here, taking their money line, not even the points. So a little bit more ballsy this week. Um, UCLA, geez, thank you. Uh, Grayson's going UCLA UCLA money line. A little bit more ballsy of a pick, more of the Oregon pick. 
So I think that kind of makes it up a little bit because they are more than a uh, score favorite uh, at home. So he's going UCLA money line. Me, give me the Utes minus four. I think they've had looked really good in the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA is a basketball school anyway where they breathe football. They live it. They love it. They eat, sleep, breathe football in the state of Utah. Give me Utah minus four. There's a lot less distractions out there in Los Angeles, so their players are going to be focused and lasered in. I think we're going to have to see if Cameron Rising for Utah plays in this game. He hasn't played, I believe, the first three weeks of the season. And obviously, they really need their big-time quarterback for a game like this. And where a team like UCLA, they have Chip Kelly as your head coach. You know how their offense is going to run. They're going to be throwing, you know, they're going to be scoring a lot of points. I don't think UCLA is going to win. However, I'm going to take UCLA to cover this game. I think Utah will hit a game-winning field goal at the end. But I think UCLA is just not going to have enough to win this game at the end of the day. I just haven't seen a lot for them yet. Utah has been a proven commodity. But I think without – unless there's something changes in the last second where Rising does play, then I obviously like Utah a lot more. But with Rising not in the lineup right now, I actually like the Bruins to cover this game, but unfortunately lose on the last second field goal. All righty, Ben. So you're taking um, okay. UCLA so plus I, four. Yeah, UCLA plus four. I mean – Maybe it ends in a push. Who knows? Possible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely possible. But let's go into our next game. We're staying in the Pac-12, which looks like the best conference in football right now. Pretty sure um, games. I hate that I have to call this game. I really do. It's a tough uh, one. Number 14, Oregon State at number 21, Washington State. The battle of who got left out more in the pack, in the new uh, conference realignment. I feel b- bad for both these teams. Uh, really passionate fan bases and great athletic programs, unfortunately, getting let out. But it's number 14, Oregon State, going into Washington State. Oregon State is minus three favorites on the road. 56 is the slated over-under. Grayson's going Oregon State minus seven, so he's buying more points. Uh, or I'm sorry, he's taking more points. Right. Uh, again, he's going a little more he's ballsy going a lot here. Ballsy he's going to be pretty bold on here because he thinks they're going to cover by more than a touchdown. He thinks they're going to win by eight points or more which, hey, it definitely could happen. But I'm going to go ahead and take it safe and just pick Oregon State Moneyline. Uh, I would say this is a kind of... I don't know what you would call this game, Oregon State versus Washington State. I know, like, usually Washington Oregon have a, have a name. I know Washington State and Washington have a game. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't know what to call this. I'm going to call this the battle of the real loser of the Pac-12. That's what I'm going to call this. Wow, what a great original title for that name of this game. I love Thank that. You. Thank you. I thought of it just now. Now, you won't be saying thank you when I make this pick because I know you picked Oregon State to win the Pac-12 this year. I love this story of Wazoo. I'm going to take Wazoo to win this game, Moneyline. All right. Well, there it is. Listen, you both took them, so someone I'm doing you both a favor. So I could be the mush, but I think what it comes down to me for is Washington State has a great quarterback in Cameron Ward, and he's been playing really good football right now to start the season. I could be tempted to take the over as well. I'm going to just stick with the one pick in this one. I only took the over in the other game because I saw the amount of points at Oregon and Colorado, so I said for the hell of it, might as well just be fun and take the points with it. Um, but I have Washington State winning this game. I like their story. I, You know, these are the two teams that are still in the Pac-12 at the end of the day. And I would like to see Wazoo get the big-time win and keep their season going and keep alive in the Pac-12 race. Come on, you gotta go with the uh, the boys over at Oregon State. So you're sure you're taking Washington State? I, 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 I just can't convince you. I, I'm sorry, I just love Washington State right now. They're kind of like a unsung like hero hero of college football. How many times do you see that illustrious flag being waved at college game day? It just inspires you. I have to take them. Well, they're the Cougars, right? They are the Cougars. All right, so you got Cougars versus Beavers. In real life, I would agree with you, but on the football field, not so not this week. That's All right. right, and we got the Buckeyes going to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Ohio State, number six in the country on the road, going to South Bend, Indiana, taking on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, number nine in the country. Ohio State are three-point favorites on the road, slated over under at 55 and a half. Grayson's taking Notre Dame money line. Bold statement, Con. We'll see how that pans out. I'm going to take Notre Dame plus three because I believe it will be a close game. Um, 
Nick, do you know the head coach of Notre Dame? Would you like to inform the viewers of his name? Marcus Freeman. Yes. Now, what happened after Marcus Freeman got baptized last year in the Catholic Church? I don't remember off the top of my head. What, what so, happened? When he got, so he, remember what, what happened last year of Notre Dame? They got off to a shaky start, right? A really bad start, yeah. All right. I think they had lost three games in a row. They lost, they lost like, the first two. They lost to Ohio State Marshall. Then he got baptized. And then he went, I think, seven and two for the rest of the year. And now I think he's four and all this year. So he's eleven and two since he got baptized. I think he's gonna have the power of Jesus on his side and I'm gonna lead, which, which will lead the fighting Irish to victory over the Buckeyes, which to honestly haven't the Buckeyes haven't looked imp- impressive. And Notre Dame's QB, I think, might be the best QB in college football this year. I think he's better than any SEC. Um, any be- better than any SEC quarterback? Do you think he's better um, than uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May? Uh, I think he's better than Drake May. I mean, I, we're, not, we're not talking about, we're so not talking about um, we're not talking about like college uh, NFL potential. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about that either. I'm just uh, this I'm, guy I'm, has just been slinging the football. He's got right. 13 touchdowns. He's averaging I think 270 yards per game. Right. Um, granted, Notre Dame they've played maybe their best game is what NC State so far. Yes, their pre- their last game was by far their best game they played so far. Yeah, so I think they played NC State the week of the ninth, which I'm looking at right now, and yeah. they beat them by three scores, yeah. nice and easy. wasn't even a contest for them. Uh, but yeah, it seems like they that was their best test, and uh, they destroyed them. So I again, I was a big Notre Dame hater. I said Navy money line, and they absolutely rocked the world out of Navy. I think they only scored a field goal in garbage yeah, overtime. Uh, I'm they sorry, did. garbage time. But yeah, Sam Hartman's been lighting the world on fire. Give me to light up that Big Ten defense in Ohio State. Give me Notre Dame plus Fury because I still think they can lose. Okay. By the way, also, Andrew, I forgot to add a game. There's another game I wanted to add on this week. Um, I don't know if you want to make a quick pick for it before we make I make my final pick for this game. Absolutely. Um, I also we there's another big matchup in the Big Ten. Uh, number 24 Iowa going into Happy Valley. They're taking on number seven Penn State. And okay, well, uh, we will go for your pick first, and then well, we we'll can go, we'll uh, go we can make our picks. We'll make the last pick for that game. I just realized that now, as we were doing the sheet. Um, besides all that, um, I think I have no choice. I have to take Notre Dame. I picked them in the. I put them in my final four for the playoff. I think I have to just by no all means. I have to take them to win the game. I can't root for Ohio State. Um, I would like Notre Dame just to get there, just you know, just because that will make my pick look better at the preseason. But again, I think it goes back to what I said earlier in the pickums. Quarterback play is going to be the the factor in this one. Harmon is going to be better than McCord, and I think that leads the Fighting Irish to the win. I'm going to take them straight money line too, as well, like Grayson did. So we don't have a true mush. No, because you saved there's it not with a, plus three. Yeah, there's not. I mean, I saved that with Clemson plus two and a half too. Right. So there's no true bush this year. Uh, or I'm sorry, this, uh, this week. This week, which is good. But let's go into our last game. Like you said, uh, number 24, Iowa. They have a strong con- corn-fed country lineman that the NFL seems to produce. <clears throat> tight ends. Uh, and tight ends. Tight end university going into Happy, Al- t- Happy Valley to take on the Penn State. Uh, the Nittany Lines. Lines. Yep. Nittany Lines. I thought, thought of something else, but it's the Nittany Lines. Uh Unfortunately, Iowa is a 14.5 point underdog on the road, so it's PSU minus 14.5, over under 40.5. And to be honest, I like the over this game. I think that's really? way too much. That's, no, that's not enough points. 40.5 points. Okay, let's, well, let's be real. They let West Virginia score 15 on them. Right. Well, I, think I know that it, was a, it, was a garbage time, you know, it was garbage time, but they let West Virginia score 15 points on them. You don't think Iowa could score 21? Well, I think the only reason is I think they're basing it off of Iowa's uh, team. They, they, they've been known for defense as a whole. That's been right. their team, you know, common denominator. I, I think the Penn State offense will just blow them out, to be honest with you. Now, this is tough because Penn State, I, we also don't have Grayson's pick for this game. This is this is obviously on me. I, if I had to imagine, Penn, he would probably take Penn State minus 14 and a half. Because you know he doesn't like Iowa. He's not a big fan of the Hawkeyes. So I'll mark. Well, we could mark him down for that. And we'll get his clear, clear care, you know, clarification on that. Penn State's last game was against Illinois. The over under for that one was forty eight and a half. 
that obviously hit. I hit the under on that one. I could see this game being under as well just because of how these two defenses are. Iowa doesn't really have a strong offense. Penn State does. I could see this being a final of like, I would say maybe uh, maybe like a 20 to 13 or like a 21 to 17 final, and that would be just enough for the under. So I'm going to take the under in this one as well. Um, I think Penn State could be a sneaky team, you know, making a lot of noise and giving Michigan and Ohio State problems in the Big Ten. But this is a team like Iowa that could be very dangerous because of how good their defense is. So I think for that reason, I'll just take the under and just keep it at that. Okay, so we kind of had a lot of games this week. Anything you would like to uh, add before we end the show, Nick? Uh, yeah, I know that we have a big-time card show coming up this week. I know you have a little bit more info than I do, but overall, another great week of college football. We have the big card show on Saturday, so we'll be trying to get as much college football action as we can while also be in attendance for that card show. And, Andrew, I know you have a lot more information on that, so why don't you give yeah, us that? Let me plug that. So it's going to be this Saturday, the 23rd of September, 9.30 to 5 p.m. It's not just cards, though. It's sneakers, cards, Funko Pops. Um, and when I say cards, I mean Pokemon, trading card, sports cards, uh, all day in the Holy Child Gym in Staten Island, New York, 4747 Amboy Road, 9.30 to 5. Uh, food, games, uh and DJs, anything under the sun, it's going to be Staten Island's, I think, biggest card show uh, to date, and we're looking forward to that. So, again, that's 4747 Amboy Road, Staten Island, New York, and the Holy Child Gym on Saturday, September 23rd. Yeah, it should be a great time on Saturday, just seeing, you know, all these other de- you know dealers and stuff like that, and just talking the game of, you know, card, you know, all the card businesses in general, and just talking sports. That's all that's all about. It's a nice, fun time. We've done a lot of card shows in the past. And thankfully for us, this is our first time we're doing one here on Side Island where we live. So should be a fun very one. Very excited about that. Yeah, very, very excited. So Saturday should be great field action, not only with that card show, but also in the world of college football. So should be a great weekend coming up. And we're all looking forward to it here on the All Gas No Break Sports Show. But that is going to do it for this for this first edition of this week's episode as we will come back for episode number two as we'll discuss the NFL week number two, going over some of the wild games that we had and looking into a week three preview as we get just about a, almost a third way done in this NFL season. But like we said for college football, been a strong start. Week four should bring some more exciting action in the world of college football so we'll have to see what happens and goes on with that i am nicholas Pavona, joined alongside by andrew johnson please make sure to to stu, uh, excuse me to tune into part two of the all cast no break sports show with our nfl episode